like I, I think when you think about it, like Terry O'Quinn was probably the best Howard Hughes that we've had on screen, and I'm I'm including DiCaprio in that. Did he play Howard Hughes? Am I? I'm sorry. Uh, wh- yeah. When was he not in the Rocketeer as Howard Hughes? Holy shit! I, yeah, I think you're right. And uh, shots fired at DiCaprio, by the way, <laughs> who I've always been like, Wait, that's his. Well, that's his like Wait. that's his swan song. <laughs> that's his swan song. <laughs> and then he did 15 more years of film, but. For me, I'm like, because that's the thing about DiCaprio is like, he's great. And I think everyone knows that he's great. But there are times where like, you see that he's trying very hard to be great. I think he's not like an effortless actor all the time. (laughs) He's better than Bradley Cooper, but he ain't, you know, like. He he still has that Bradley Cooper syndrome where it's like, I'm watching acting right now. Right. (laughs) But I always liked uh, uh, fucking The Aviator so much because The Aviator is like, I mean, granted, it's still DiCaprio acting, but there's something there that isn't there in like The Departed or or Gangs of New York or any of the other Scorsese directed performances. But to bring it back to uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Terry O'Quinn, um, <laughs> he nails in a few short scenes, like just the pure arrogance and business, like I don't give a shit, autistic, like what you think about me kind of shit, the right. vibe that he had, just nails it in like just a few minutes. It's like the Hannibal Lecter of performances uh, regarding Howard Hughes. And screen I time, many- I guess. I guess that's why you made that reference. Yeah, like, he's only- barely in it. <laughs> I'm tired, guys. This is going to be a weird episode. I'm um, excited. Yeah, how many movies have had Howard Hughes as a character? Well, I was just going to say, uh, fucking uh, Warren Beatty was like, huh, I'm the greatest director of all time. Let me make a fucking, like, I don't know, an $80 million Howard Hughes biopic that completely fucking bombed. And he plays Howard Hughes in it. Like, why as we, old- Why did we lift up Warren Beatty and prop him up on her shoulders and say, you're the best. You can do it, buddy. Get on top of that mountain. I have literally never liked Warren Beatty. I do like Heaven Can Wait. I think that's like a, that's a banger. I think Bonnie and Clyde is Bonnie and Clyde. And I like Bullworth for, for, but, but let me be clear. I like Bullworth because he raps in it. That's it. It's not about the script. It's not about the acting. It's just the fact that white boy gets on a national TV and decides right. he's going to rap, which is like, all right. It was the yeah. 90s. It was novel. How, how, how has that aged? I have not seen it. Let's in a watch while. it. Let's watch we it. Could. I think. Let's well, because it. isn't like the other things a lot of people are in that, like Halle Berry's in it. I think like Don Cheadle's in it. Like, there's some people in that film, and Dude. you figure, like, they can't be you proud know, of that. Cheadle's, Cheadle's been fucking around for a while, man. Yeah, but can I say this about him? Even when he's fucking around, you can tell he's having a blast, and at least he's not phoning it in, you know? Like, oh, yeah, no, like fucking around just in that existing, um, being alive sense. Well, yeah, he's looked the same for 30 years. Yeah. Clear about well, that. Mm, no? I don't know. Like in, in the latest Avengers movies, he started to look like really old. Like, like I think it was Civil War. Like he, he just came on screen and I was like, oh no, he's a grandpa now. Bro, it's the almost. Like I think he's earned it. I think he's. Oh yeah, he's earned the right. But like it's just weird to see that steep drop off where, like you're right, for 25 straight years, the man looked like. 30 years old right and then like one year later he looks like a goddamn old man what's well, the pesci of it all and i think you've put a you put you poked a hole in this theory before where i'm like watching joe pesci you can go look at him in the 70s you can look at him in the 80s the 90s and then after like lethal weapon 4 he like retired what a great thing to be like that ah, that's it uh no, no mountain will be higher than lethal weapon 4 so let me let me retire <laughs> so he goes away for a while i think he comes back for that de niro movie the good shepherd right and when right. he gets back you're like what the fuck fuck happened to joe pesci and i think you said he just stopped dying his hair <laughs> like that's it yeah he's this old for a while he's just kept dying the hair black and y'all fuckers yeah. were fooled by it 
it's the same with DeVito. Like when he goes like for one episode where he hasn't like dyed his hair to shit, like when they're like continue to cut Frank open, it's always <laughs> sunny and like bleed him out. And he's like all old and frail now. All he yeah. did was just not dye his hair <laughs> and showed up to set and he looked like 20 years older. It's well, crazy. it fucks with us because we have this like expectation. Like, you know, Anthony Hopkins definitely looks way older now than when he did like Silence of the Lambs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But sort of in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's but he's always he's never he was never someone who was in stasis and then aged all at once. So it's yeah. easier to deal with when these fuckers like the next day look way older. It makes you have to deal with your mortality in a way that you're not ready with. I think I'm not ready to confront this. What does that uh, say about us, though, that we have to like use like actors aging to confront our own mortality? Like that's what it takes. I think it's normal, man. You know why? Because I was thinking about this the other day. There are certain people that when they die, it'll 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 really signify. Oh shit! Yeah, like because they've been around the entire time that you've been yeah. around. Like one of my earliest memories is Tony Hopkins, right? So like. Yeah. You, 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 when that guy guys dies, I'm gonna be like, oh my god, <laughs> like we're old, yeah. everything's impermanent, it's over. Because even as an old man, he still seems like really like vital and with it and like engaging and stuff. It's the same with like Brian Cox to speak of another right. short old man who's like scary. Um, isn't he close yeah. to 80 too? I mean, like Hopkins is oh, 80 yeah. something. Uh, Brian yeah. Cox got to be up there too. He's got to be pushing it if he's not 80 already, yeah. That's fucking crazy. I saw this band yesterday. I went to go. Um, uh, my my friend Ryan was in town. I saw Man Man last night at Philly, mm-hmm. but there was for the Philly World uh, or Philly Music Fest. And so there's this band that opened before them, not like purposely. It was just like a lineup of bands called yeah. Sun Ra. Have you ever heard of Sun Ra? Sure. It's a 95 year old black dude from Philly who's just up there killing it at 95 years old, Max. And I was like, oh my god, you never get old if you just keep doing what you love, right? right. Like. And also, I was like, this motherfucker played with Coltrane, like, here in Philly. Like, this yeah. guy has seen it all, and he's still here, and his next show's in Brazil. And I'm like, this guy at 95 years old is going to do it. And I think that's what happened to Joe Pesci. He stopped acting thinking that's what he wanted. And then- Man, that, that's like the reality TV show I want to see is just like a show that follows around a guy like Sun Ra on his tours. Mm-hmm. We just get like eight seasons of that. And it's not structured. It's not some bullshit competition. Right. Or like there's no stakes or dramatic music. It's just like him walking around, talking about the old days, tuning his guitar, uh, staring in the mirror for 30 minutes because he has <laughs> dementia. I'd watch it all. What I, I was going to say is that I think, <laughs> I think uh, though that would be riveting TV, uh, especially <laughs> for the streaming era. No, I was going to say like what was so amazing is how, how with it he was and how like yeah. we control that band. And it's like an eight, nine piece band on stage. I mean, it was so fucking impressive, dude. It made me yeah. so happy. I, I mean, we're learning more about like the brain and everything. And that is interesting is like, I, I remember reading and I'll never forget it. They did this like decades long study on nuns and Alzheimer's. And they just found that a lot, like the nuns that developed Alzheimer's versus the ones who didn't in old age uh, were the nuns that didn't read much. And the ones that did read a lot and the ones that like did a lot of crossword puzzles and Sudoku and like kept themselves mentally active in like Bible studies and further research. Those were the ones that like stayed mentally viable for years after their counterparts. I thought thought that was going to go to a bit where like they did cat scans to do comparatively. And there was like the Virgin Mary and the CTEs of the, of of the nuns who were. You thought I was going to swerve to that. Dude, honestly, I didn't (laughs) think it was a swerve. I just thought that's the straight line to that conversation. (laughs) That's the logical end point. (laughs) You know, like, like, like Jesus had a burnt piece of toast, but inside the brain, (laughs) like that's all. (laughs) 
Um, oh, no, but I, I, I hear that all, uh, all the time. That's why like, I try to – now I'm reading like all the time. All the time mm. I'm reading shit because, um, one, it's great to learn. There was, there was a good five, six years where I just didn't read. I read articles all the time. I read magazines and shit like that. Hell and, yeah, bro. Who has times for stories? I watch my stories. Well, that's the thing. I like watching a lot more too. <laughs> <laughs> but like, imagine if you have Alzheimer's and you're rewatching Breaking Bad or something. Like, that's way darker, you know? But – it would always be like you're watching it for the first time. Oh, that's nice. I've always said there's so many experiences I wish I could uh, erase my mind and watch it for the very first time, you know, like to, to get that yeah. like. I, I shouldn't even like make light of Alzheimer's. I know it's a terrifying, horrible, like that's like probably like the most terrifying, existentially terrifying. Thing oh, yeah. That there is, right? Right. Just the idea of like losing your sense of self, not remembering your loved ones, your own life. That's right. fucking insane, dude. I don't want to get too uh, into the Alzheimer's conversation, and yeah. also I don't want to. I don't want to say that BoJack somehow is the best depiction of it, but I would say uh, like they really kind of did a great job, at mm -hmm. least making the layman understand yeah, how scary and space. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How disorienting that is. Yeah. Did you see that? That show's ending. Did you mm -hmm. see it? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's good. That's a good thing. Um, I think it's good. I'm, I'm obviously a little heartbroken about it, but what I would say is when I saw it, I thought back to where that story ended last year, and I'm like, narratively, it seemed like we were coming around the curb. Like, there's not much more we could do with that show, you know? And, and yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's not... It's always, like, one of those shows where the fan conversation around it is, what are they going to do this season to break my heart? How are they going to top Sarah Lynn? And it's like... Right after a while it's going to be diminishing returns like there's only so many ways they can just fucking like well i have a theory they're gonna break our hearts really hard but i think yeah. it's gonna be true within the show um because and, and you know like how does a show like that end i've always like a super weird comparison but you're the one person who will track this so so stay with me here madman well madman or sopranos dude like the idea of like oh we can change we can change we can change yeah. and i have the want and the desire to change but can we change like i have right. this feeling bojack ain't people are like bojack's gonna die i'm like oh no i think bojack has to live with himself i think that's the fucking the horror story and i hope they give him a happy ending i really do but being realistic it doesn't seem like that's gonna happen i think realistically it's gonna be and who knows like we could both like like we'll know soon enough i guess but i i think it's gonna end up being some kind of in between type deal um i think like bojack might like start making strides towards like a more positive relationship with the people around him at the very least but he's gonna fuck up a lot of other things or he's gonna fuck up some relationships but improve at least one thing he'll do one good thing and five bad things right but like something to show us like hey there's still something there but it's never really gonna get better for him yeah, can I just, can I, can I just, I want him to have a nice moment with Mr. Peanut Butter because who deserves it more than that guy who <laughs> just like no matter what, yeah. Mr. Peanut Butter is so good to Bojack, always happy, and he's such a piece of shit to him. And I want one moment between these two where it's okay. Right. But I mean, Mr. Peanut Butter is also kind of the worst. Is he? Yeah. Do tell. I mean, like the show kind of explicitly says it, that he has this like compulsive need to be liked, that him being nice isn't even really genuine in any way because he's not taking any active interest in the people around him and the people that he loves. It's all validation for his own self-esteem. So yeah, that, but that's better than, than the detrimental dick wagging of Bojack, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's better than getting high on set and choking women. <laughs> like, I'll take yeah, okay, it. <laughs> okay, fair point. <laughs> I will. I will concede that. The headlines tomorrow. Max supports choking women. I'm like, oh god damn it! I'm oh, sorry. No, <laughs> no. 
That, that's um, no, I, I think it's going to end up being less. You know, I think I think people have caught caught up to it now. I think a lot of people know, and that's what bothers me. Look, I adore The Simpsons so much, and I, you know, we ranted on the last episode about Emmys and stuff like that. But The Simpsons in season thirty one, thirty two should not be beating BoJack Horseman. You know what I'm saying? Because like one is an institution, and, and it's so funny. I, I genuinely, I, it's not appointment TV anymore. But if the new episode of The Simpsons is on, I was like, I'll watch it. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? Bojack is 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 that next thing. I think it pushed the envelope about what we can do and the things we can speak about. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's just a little disheartening that it's not getting recognized. But also, Emmys are bullshit, I guess. Yeah, I mean, awards shows in general, the concept of awarding the best of anything, like in an age where we have so many great things, right. is like it's an impossible decision. So they just went with the thing they're comfortable with. Okay, well, how about this? Let me swerve just a little bit because I saw this fucking trailer. But did you, did you see the Irishman trailer yet? uh yes yes i did okay and i read a few reviews too i'm actually really excited for it on a purely trailer standpoint let's take the de-aging out of it for a second yeah I'm not oh my god bro yeah. like i like i have never like he seems so engaged and i know you could say wolf of wall street that was his you know the, the second kind of madcap uh insanity goodfellas type of fucking yeah. whatever I hear this is more of like a slow like multi-decade journey i hear it's like three and a half hours long it's a commitment but it's sort of perfect for the streaming age like the person was saying like if you go to see a movie like that in the theater that's a fucking undertaking but right. like in the netflix age that's three and a half episodes of uh tv and that's right and you can just binge that on a like friday that, night yeah boom, absolutely done. but like it's this multi-decade like saga about america about this one individual about crime itself Right. I'm fucking hyped for it. Yeah. It, it looks wonderful. Also, I didn't realize the time span, which I didn't know it came all the way to base. I mean, the last 20 years, 2000s, uh, which is yeah. very, very interesting. I'm also excited because, like, again, selfishly, Joe Pesci, like, glad he's yeah. doing stuff. Got, got the Pesci in the mix. And also, I hear Pacino is, like, maybe, like, his best in decades. Thank you. And that's where I was coming from, which is, like, yeah. I think people have forgotten and to be fair Pacino's given them every reason to forget yeah, like um, literally since scent of a woman it's just been all downhill from there well i've heard his uh his hbo stuff's been really good but i can't bring myself to watch him with a giant afro like i can't i, do I did see movie. the I, I saw the jack kevorkian thing and he was good in it but jack kevorkian's a fucking weirdo who yells a lot so it was kind of a good fit Pacino, yeah well yeah. that's why he's, he's made his bones i think his three best performances in the last 20 years have been like hbo real life movies phil Spector, kevorkian uh mm -hmm. joe paterno wasn't he jopa at some point they did the, the yeah. penn state thing it's <laughs> like all right this is a range guy you're picking roles it's like if mcconaughey just kept picking stoner roles after days to confuse it's like well no you're not you're just trying to not act you're just trying to show up and get a paycheck man right. like I don't know, but so I'm really excited to kind of see that. But beyond that, it's like the de-aging, which to be fair, that one shot of, uh, of, of De not DiCaprio, De Niro, where he's like, I guess in Korea or maybe Vietnam, whatever that, that still is, where he's got like, and I'm like, motherfucker looks like he's in Call of Duty. And look, if that was a video game, that'd be the fucking coolest video game I've ever seen. Yeah. But this is a movie. Um, within the context of the, of the thing, it seems to have worked. And I think beyond that, I think people are going to be like, oh, shit, Marty's Marty. Like, I don't, we, again, we are sleeping on these greats thinking that they make okay movies. Like, I really like Silence, but a lot of people didn't love it. They thought it was good. It was well made. They didn't love it. Mm -hmm. And I think that people kind of sleep on how wonderful that guy is. And, and it's almost like 
Yeah, he's been making movies since what? Seventy two was the first one, or was he even making movies in the sixties? The sixties, yeah. He wow. started with like uh, music documentaries. He did Boxcar Bertha was I think his first, or it was something before that. But okay, yeah, it was like either way, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousand. So this is now going into his seventh decade of making films on this planet. Yeah. And as a seventy-year-old, the dude is like running circles around all the other filmmakers. Man, it's so goddamn exciting. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, he's still vital. He's still running around with his glasses, being short as shit. He's seventy-six <laughs> years old, but you know, he's yeah. It, it's like you look at Coppola, and he's like just this steep decline since like the late eighties. You look yeah. at Marty, and it's just like he continues being interesting. He continues having something to say. It would be hard to say that, like, oh, Marty's output in the last 30 years is as good as his previous 30 years. But what I would say is that, like, the highs of the last 30 years certainly match anything he did in the first 30, right? You know? Mm -hmm. Like, and even in the smaller stuff, I would say Bringing Out the Dead is, like, one of the most wonderful, small, weird, creepy little fucking movies that if you didn't know... I mean, I guess if you watched it and you knew something about his visual style, you'd know it's Martin Scorsese. Nothing else about that screams Martin Scorsese. You know what I'm saying? And he kills it. I think the fact that, like, again, if you're young enough, right? And we're right on that, that cusp. But, like, if you're young enough, you almost know him as, like, a big budget director, which is weird because Gangs yeah. of New York, because of Aviator, because of, like, you know, all these other movies that he ended up doing. And it's so fascinating to see him now kind of juggle both worlds to live with one foot in both states, so to speak. Yeah. So, by the way, I have his Wikipedia page pulled up because I'm the resident Wikipedia researcher. Right. This is our, this is our, our shout out to Wikipedia for their assistance as researchers. Wikipedia, you're great. Uh, donate if you can, guys. Every little bit helps. Um, <laughs> but no, I was going to say, uh, 1967, he made his first feature-length film called Who's That Knocking at My Door? Ah, that's right. With his fellow students, actor Harvey Keitel and editor Thelma uh, Schoonmaker. Let's talk about that. Harvey Keitel's in this one, too, which is great. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He got the whole gang back together to make Honestly, this movie. like, I'm almost more excited for Keitel than I am for, like, half that cast because Kaitel is like casually like great in everything well i told you like that my, my big example for that was um there was a holocaust movie in the early 2000s called the gray zone or whatever mm -hmm. yeah. and i really loved it it's like a really wonderful as wonderful as holocaust films can be i guess <laughs> uh, but delightful well but the thing is it's a holocaust film that has david arquette in it and you're like well well <laughs> hold on <laughs> but david arquette actually does not phone it in he's pretty great and david arquette also very briefly on screen but phone tomahawk is actually really great in that movie yeah. so the guy can be good he just chooses to do wrestling and <laughs> nothing you know what i'm saying like right. phoning in that he's the fifth most famous arquette and i'm saying that without being able to name like the third or the fourth most famous i just know that there's got to be two more famous arquettes than him um but Harvey Keitel shows up in that movie as a Nazi, as a good Nazi, I guess, right? Quote, unquote. And he's the only fucker who showed up with an accent that day. You know what I'm saying? It's like the Bob Hoskins that we, we always go back to it. And it's yeah. like, despite this, like he knew he was in a movie that wasn't as great as he was and he didn't give a shit. He's like, I will prop this up like fucking Atlas with the world on my shoulders, you sons of bitches, man. Yo, for, for real, I'm, I'm going to pitch like a new movies and shit episode. Let's do uh, Enemy at the Gates and Grey Zone. <laughs> Okay. Just match up. I'm into it. Like, those are two delightful romps, zestful larks into history. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm into it. 
it's a nice little peek behind the curtain at a proud time in our history. Yeah, man. Um, but no, that's what I'm like. Keitel's great. And I've, I've loved that Wes Anderson sort of co-opted him recently. And they're always small roles, but I'm always delighted to see him. He was in Moonrise Kingdom. He was in uh, uh, Grand Budapest. So he's, he shows up and stuff. He's really great in it. Yeah. And also does not have a reputation for being a fucking asshole like Hackman. Because he came up like around that same time, you know, the 70s era, like right. actors and Hackman apparently is just a fucking monster to almost everybody. Well, I heard a story and it's really adorable. It makes me like Bill oh, Murray about, so much. Wes yeah. Anderson and Bill Murray. Like, Roll tenant bombs. Yeah. And like his, Bill yeah. Murray wouldn't even be on the call sheet for that day. And he would just hang around the set to protect Wes. And I'm like, oh, my God, Bill, yeah. you fucking pot smoking Does, like asshole. That, like, make you like like him so much more. Well, that's the thing is like, is there a more, all right, hold on. Going back to what we were talking about, you know, talk, talk about people who are going to die that are going to shatter me. Mm-hmm. Like Bill Murray Bill might Murray. be that motherfucker. And he is looking old, dude. And it's like, yeah, he, he, he's earned the right. That's what happens to people. But just see Like I saw a picture of him, like at a golf tournament and he just looked like an old ass man. And I was like, God damn. I think we need to we need to rally around him. Why isn't Tarantino writing him a role? You know what I mean? Like, uh, give give, give him a starring. Insane. Yeah, the Tarantino's never worked with Bill Murray, as far as I can. I mean, it's not like the uh, a matching that you would immediately think of but at the same time it's like when, when when he had that renaissance say what you want about steve zissou and i know you're not a huge fan of it what you have to admit is that bill murray was the shit in that movie like mm-hmm. he did stuff with uh, not the best dialogue he did stuff with like crazy whimsical fucking set design and he still made you believe that he was this real person in a cartoon yeah uh, and then lost well, the translation into, broken yeah. flowers like he, he turned into one of those actors that like he can do so much with so little i right. think it really started like at rushmore for me is when I really like, and that might be when it started for him too, because he was kind of doing that. He's in that weird phase in his career where he stopped being vital. Movies stopped making as much money. He did that elephant movie. Right. Um, what was that elephant movie? What was that elephant movie? Hold He's on. He's like hanging out with an elephant. The whole movie is just him chilling with an elephant. I've seen it 20 yeah. times when I was a kid because it came <laughs> in on the VHSs or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? It was not a rousing success is my point. And then he moves on, does Rushmore, and he does this like, subtle reined in performance where it's just this guy like holding in every bit of emotion and then just yeah well there there are three scenes that i really go back to which is just like the smoking a cigarette the kinks are playing his kids party and he's jumping off the diving board and you're like holy shit he doesn't say a word but like Mm. you feel it yeah Uh, the other one is the it's a montage so i'm sorry but the oh yoko and they're like in the factories riding bikes with schwartzman and shit really cute but then when he gets that haircut he gets the shave at the end where, where max introduces him to his dad which is yeah. uh god what's his name he's also in steve zisu a uh, seymour cassell is that his name sure the actor uh, yeah sure anyway <laughs> no but there's like the sweet thing where like he just gets a trim he doesn't change really much anything his mustache just looks a little bit more like kemp you know what i'm saying yeah. and yet it, it really kind of changes it i don't know i mean the guy is such a wonderful actor and my point is what has he kind of been doing lately i mean didn't he, people said that saint vincent movie was all right but i didn't see it uh yeah. the one with melissa mccarthy and I heard it was. Uh, that's what it, that was literally a review I read. Just, and, uh, <laughs> and the New York Times describes it as. <laughs> How do you spell that? I I don't know. Just yeah. fuck with it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, you're gonna put more fucking thought and effort into spelling than they did making the fucking movie. Right? Like, just get on with it. He did show up in Ghostbusters, the the the, the remake. Uh, uh, did he? Sat down the entire time. <laughs> Literally, he walks into the room, sits down in a chair, and that's the rest of the scene. Isn't he supposed to be in the new one? 
Do they get him back for this new Ghostbusters? Yeah, look at that, Dr. Peter Venkman. Why? 20. Oh, they need to leave that alone. And also, let's be real about the fucking Ghostbusters for a second. Like, it's not that great. Sigourney Weaver showing up again. Are you telling me that Venkman and Weaver made that relationship last? I'm (laughs) sorry. No fucking way. He was running it on fumes by the end of the first one. If they got Moranis back, then I'd be excited. And I don't think he's coming out of retirement. He's living his best life in Hamilton, Ontario somewhere. You know what I mean? Like He's, he's the real MVP, man. Like Moranis, he's aging quietly in some corner where we'll never see him. He'll right. always be a 35-year-old dad to me. And, and that's how it should be, man. That's how Forever he's going to die. But, you know? you know, Ghostbusters, let's be real about it. It's a really creepy product of its time. Uh, it's a, it's very much like a weird, like Reagan, uh, no regulations, like, yeah, like, it's anti-EPA, like the fucking, uh, villain of it. And this is like, I'm, I'm stealing this from a cracked article. Sorry. Uh, but the fucking villain of it is, uh, yeah, the uh, head of the EPA and he's saying very reasonably, Hey, maybe you shouldn't have unregulated access to a fusion reactor seems like such a normal fucking like request and they're like no there's ghosts (laughs) like it's so fucking dumb he's a dick about it but like put yourself in his shoes these guys are saying that they're catching ghosts and they need a fucking thing that could blow up the entire city right in the middle of manhattan that's why Ghostbuster 2 works for me because they get to come up and all right because because in the beginning even though they just saved New York from a giant I don't think like anybody has started a sentence that way that's why Ghostbusters 2 works for me well think about it like that works so fucking hard because it's like they just saved they just saved New York it's mm. not like it wasn't it wasn't one of these like unsung heroes there's a giant marshmallow man fucking around New York breaking shit okay Everyone yeah. knows they exist, and still they're doing kids' parties in the beginning. Like Ernie Hudson's having a fucking shuck and jive to get like a five dollar tip from a from a fucking eight year old's birthday party. I love it, and that's where the movie should have ended. It's a five minute movie, just that opening scene. They're doing kids' parties. He goes outside, shoots himself in the head. It's a better movie, probably. Probably <laughs> would be, yeah. For being honest, I don't know what was going on in that movie. But the first one, I will say, like coming back as an adult. What when uh, did you watch it last? The last, the last time I watched Ghostbusters? Yeah. Uh, like five years ago, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, rewatch it. Um, I appreciated it a little bit more uh, just for the fact that it's literally about um, a bunch of adults who are kind of at a dead end in their lives and careers who band together to start a small business. And like literally, that, and that's thanks to Ronald Reagan's small business policies, they are able. I'm sorry, keep. I didn't mean to riff that. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, that, like that. That's pretty much it. It's just like it's something I can relate to a little bit more. It's about like a bunch of like, yeah, I had to like take out a second mortgage on my mom's house to get this fucking shit up and running. Oh, we have to like interview candidates. Like, like it's just a lot of like little details, like the minutia of like get uh, fucking startup. Look, there's a reason it resonates with people. I think the other thing is I actively hate the property now because and look, that last move, the the remake wasn't a good movie, but it didn't deserve the vitriol that it got from people, and it just it it deserved vitriol for different reasons. Sure. Not because, because they're bad. ladies, not because women's yeah. like that's what drove me fucking crazy. There's a version of that movie that could work. It's just bad. Sony is bad at making films. Are you happy about the uh, the Spider-Man of it all? I mean, on the last episode, I told you about how much I could give a fuck. I didn't even finish that movie, by the way. Did I just you not? 
no, I didn't care. There, I, there's I need literally to. like one five minute stretch in that movie that's worth the price of admission. Okay. But like that's all like there's a Mysterio attack scene, fight scene or whatever. That's actually kind of cool. It's not the Venice but, one you're saying. Uh, no. Later no. in the film. Okay. Because yeah, I saw the Venice one and I was like, eh. He's fighting yeah. a water ghost. Like, I don't care yeah. about this. Yeah, like, it's like, who, who gives a shit? Um, but no, like, uh, it's kind of worth it. Whatever. I don't care. But to answer your question also, I don't care. Um, I don't <laughs> care that Spidey's back with the... Like, I knew it was going to happen, and if it didn't happen, Sony was going to make some bullshit anyway. So, right. Whatever. It's yeah, I, I, I... The the outrage, and, and then people not realizing... Like, that's the thing that got me. At no point did it actually feel like he wasn't going to come back to that franchise right like or yeah. you brought back into the fold because it's like too way too much money's at stake here guys like way mm-hmm. too much money you know it's beneficial for you sony you've tried your hand at spider-man and they they are really bad movies when you don't have a sam raimi <laughs> or a kevin Feige. like because <laughs> again like those movies are serviceable say what you want about the marvel ones but you know and now i heard they're trying to write them out which is, is fine i think like write them out right spider-man out yeah, like this next one, I think they're going to try to write him out. Maybe not the end of this one, but I know that I think the the, the new contract has him appearing in two other films yeah. uh, within the Marvel Universe. So, I, But that's the thing. It's like apparently, and again, still haven't finished it, some giant cliffhanger tease at the end of Far From Home, supposedly, that I've never fucking seen. <clears throat> but people were really upset that uh, whatever that cliffhanger was wasn't going to be addressed wasn't going to be this so it's like all right you bring them back now you're writing towards it and in theory it should be satisfying i guess you know but right i don't know i just don't give a shit i just don't i just don't care yeah i mean like dude i wasn't excited uh for the new scorsese film until i saw a trailer like how am i going to be excited about spider-man what's the thing about us though like that that these films you know, like that back in the day, all it took was uh, the new film by Martin Scorsese. I've just been burned so many times before. Not that by I'm Marty, just, though. You not know? by Marty, but just yeah. in general. It started with Spider-Man 3. And like just so many times where I'd get excited, I'd get hyped. I'd go see a thing. It was bad or not great. I'd have to do mental gymnastics to convince myself I liked it. Right. And realize years later, no, you never liked it. And I don't like having that conversation with myself. I don't like lying to myself. I was trying to think that, like, the last time I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely loved a movie experience, like, because I was surprised. Like, Mad Max, which I thought was going to be good. Mm-hmm. I did not think it was going to be fucking amazing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that was so great because it was the, it was the opposite. It, was, it wasn't high hopes being let yeah. down. It was like, all right, hopes being, like, lifted like a fucking weather balloon, yeah. as we said earlier. I, I saw that with Morgan. She didn't know anything about it, didn't know anything about the property, uh, hadn't even seen a trailer. And I was like, I don't know if you're going to like this or not. Like, I don't even know if I'm going to like it, but we'll give it a shot. And she was like, okay. And when we walked out, we were silent for like a full five minutes. And then she just turned to me and she was like, that's the best movie. Ever. <laughs> I was like, I can't really argue with that. <laughs> how do you uh, how do you feel just because we're talking about movies coming out and expectations and stuff and also a little bit mired in controversy. How are you feeling about this? Uh, this Joker as we're closer and closer to it. Um, I, so I, I think it's fucking it's dumb to fall into the trap of blaming entertainment for inciting violence. It's the same shit that happened with rap music. It's the same reason we have uh, parental advisory on fucking stickers stickers and stuff. Um, It's, it's a form of censorship and fear mongering and headline grabbing. 
Um, I understand where the concerns are coming from, but like I'm hearing like theaters are now like doubling up on security and like some theaters aren't going to show it and whatever. And it might very well in this crazy day and age incite some violence, but it's coming from people who are already like going to do something at some point anyway. Right. So I, I'm with you on this like 90%. I, I uh, you know, when people frame an argument in a certain way and it forces you to take a position that you don't necessarily want to take, but you feel yeah. like, well, that's a dumb way. So let me step in now. I had a buddy of mine who was just like, you're mad about the Joker, but you're not mad about the local news talking about violence every day. And I'm like, well, the fucking job of the media is to report the news. Like if something happens, they're supposed to like, hey, this happens. It's not a glorification. But my point is this, like specifically, not in the case of all art. Not, and again, I'm with you. I don't think that we should be censoring anything. But what I said, if you want to have like a, a, a reason to be worried, is that the film is clearly wearing its Scorsese influences on its sleeve, right? Kings of comedy and shit like that. But would anyone be like, let's watch Taxi Driver and let's be like, yes, a hero for the masses, Travis Bickle. It's like, nah, man. And when you watch that trailer, I get a little creeped out by it because it seems like, you know exactly what it seems, man. It seems like this weird rallying cry of everyone who feels like an outsider but doesn't want to take responsibility for being an outsider. Like, I don't want to be the incel asshole here. But, like, it's that idea that it's everyone else that's wrong and not themselves, not their own accountability. And that's what scares right. well, me in that yeah, trailer. It seems like the thrust of the story is that society has wronged this individual and twisted him into a monster. Right. Um, and, like, the takeaway could be uh, for in cell types or whatever is that like yeah it's not me it's society right. um but like again that's like such a an abstract existential like fucking like conclusion to reach um i'm curious to see the movie i'm not really hyped for it to be honest with you i'm curious but that's about where it ends for me oh i'm hyped I'm- because as you know i love twig phoenix's uh, older brother <laughs> like. yeah no like i'm excited for him i've heard some people say he overacts some people say he's amazing um like i'm I, yeah i'm curious uh to see what what happens with that yeah i um yeah i don't want to spend much time on it. i did hear todd phillips try to say it's the far left's problem and i was like oh yeah, that's a bad I saw that look. and i was like oh man shut up <laughs> that's it full stop <laughs> shut the fuck up yeah. Uh, we'll see, man. I mean, I remember going to see Batman in Florida and, uh, you know, like we, we all had the Dark Knight Which Batman? Rises thing. Uh, the Dark Knight Rise. So one where the asshole shot up the... the, the and to be fair, let's be, let's be clear. Like there has already been a precedent of people for whatever reason in these properties, like feeling like there is an avenue uh, that speaks them to incite violence, right? So again, not saying censors, not censor. I'm not saying don't can't, like whatever. I don't, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is like, I'm watching it on a Tuesday at like 10 a.m. because I want to be extra safe. <laughs> like that's all I'm saying, man. Like it, it literally scares the shit out of me. Um, and we'll see. But uh, let me switch gears because I do want to talk about a couple things. Um, okay. I wanted to. I was just we in Florida. Could just spend the rest of the episode talking about mass shootings if you want to. That'd be fun. Oh, thank God, dude! It's my favorite subject, <laughs> but it's so faux pas in public. Like you're not allowed I, to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> Same here, man. I know, right? <laughs> So Columbine, I mean, probably the best, but we'll start, <laughs> yeah, let, let's read them in order. Best to worst. By what metric? The top What's 10 best? mass shootings. <laughs> Where's my burrito presents? You know that listicle exists somewhere, right? 
we don't like the hill or whatever the dredge yeah. report or whatever <laughs> you know those annoying terrible ads that try to look like articles where like that you'll click on it it'll be like you can't believe what this actress looks like now oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. You, you click on it and it's like literally like a 50 page slideshow right. before you get to the thing you clicked on it for and at that point it's like oh she looks like she aged 10 years right Okay. I, those are always great because uh some, sometimes those people have some creativity and it's like eight facts about electricians number six will shock you and i love that one that one's great right. you know but like i i agree in general it's all clickbait like you, you should be able yeah. to make the full gallery view or whatever these fucking guys that got us yeah my favorite one is like um it's always like a picture of like two dudes and a girl standing against a brick or cement wall two of them with their arms crossed one of them not and it's like, you won't believe what this startup is doing to change the auto industry oh, in yeah. Brandon. Or like, oh, yeah. you won't believe what this company, this small company in New York is doing to upend insurance. They're changing the game. And then you click on it and it's just an ad for some... It's like progressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <it's> progressive. <laughs> but they always find like three people, two dudes, one girl. Right. Check it out. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not making this up. Well, they, they had those before and it was just a guy with a turtleneck and the longest sideburns I've ever seen. I'm sure you've yeah. seen the same image that I've seen. It's like, what yeah. the fuck? I don't care if he is a billionaire. He doesn't have enough money or, or common sense to fucking cut those yeah. sideburns off, man. It reminds me of that joke in The Simpsons, the baseball episode, uh, Homer at Bat. Do you remember Yes. This? Oh, my God. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I forget who the fucking baseball player was, but Mr. Burns is always telling him, like, damn it trim those sideburns and he's like literally shaved his entire head and he's still yelling at him to trim his sideburns he's like i quit oh god um i did i did want to talk about this quickly just because i the reason we hadn't recorded proper we've recorded something last week but the reason we haven't uh been on our game as much is uh my uncle passed away uh in florida mm -hmm. and so i had to fly there and i was there for like the last four days five days something like that mm -hmm. um and that's always weird because I'm usually super triggered by Florida. As you know, I like fucking hate it there. But I'm happy to report it was all good. Nothing too, nothing bad. I felt really uh, confident and stuff like that. Um, I had a good time. I saw everyone. Uh, funerals are always weird. I don't know how many of those you've been to or how many uh, close, you know, because it's in Spanish I mean, families specifically, like they really, everyone's related uh, in a way that like, so the person who died is not my uncle. It's my great uncle. It's my mom's uncle. But when you're a kid, there's no like, oh, it's your great uncle. What, what, it's do, you, like, what do you call him? Like grand Tio? No, just deal. Yeah, that's my point. Like Our there's none of that shit. So like, for instance, my, my mom's cousins, okay, are my second cousins. Yeah. They're Titi, like Titi Wandi, Titi Sandri. So that's my point. So like we, like it's very expansive families, but instead of like where I think a lot of other cultures like kind of like, oh, that's your third cousin twice removed or where we don't play that shit. Everyone's your cousin. Everyone's your aunt. Everyone's your uncle. Shit like that. So mm -hmm. going back to Florida, we, uh, we had to bury him, which I've been to a couple of these funerals, but let me tell you, man, there is like a weird, I guess it's the grieving process or whatever. There, there's separate times where that becomes real. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's the call that I got. There was me buying the ticket to go to Florida. There was me going to the service and seeing his picture on the thing. Yeah. Then there was when we were putting him in the ground. And I was like, holy shit. Like, you know, like, and, and, and I had to. Did you, like. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, here's the thing. And I, I'm the kind of like, not emotionally stunted, I would say, but I'm the kind of guy who like wants to, I have to put things in perspective, which is like, I lost my uncle, but his wife lost a husband his kids mm -hmm. lost a father you know what i'm saying so it's like i have to then try to compartmentalize how i feel compared to how they feel but it's it's a strange feeling to then know like oh this is like 
we're all gathered here because of this event that we lost somebody. Now, well, I, I live in New York, but they all live in Florida. So it's like, I wish these people saw each other more. I'm sorry, you had a question? My bad. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like what you just said was interesting that you feel like you have to compartmentalize what you're feeling because what you're feeling can't match what like the people closest to him are feeling. Like, right. do you still feel that way or is that just like a weird coping process? Uh, I honestly don't know. I mean, that I, maybe it's a coping process. I, I can't put it into perspective in as much that like what I know for a fact, and this is again, the idea of closeness where it was never, oh, he's your great uncle. Therefore it's more removed. I mean, how many people are close with their great uncles? You know what I'm right. saying? Like it's the fact that when I was a kid, this guy was always here. The fact that yeah. every memory I have of him is the most, the, the warmest and the funniest. Like he was this guy who would always make you laugh. You know what I'm saying? He had that yeah. power to step into a room and own it and be just so goddamn charming and amazing. And so after the funeral itself, which we were all like fucking fucked up about, we ended up going to like Grillsmith in Lakeland by the Cobb. If you know where the Cobb, you remember the Cobb, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it was cool because we just all, we were like, well, it's 1150 in the morning. We day drinking and we just day drank for like four <laughs> hours. And I'm talking to me, you're talking to my mom, my, my dad, my brother, my uncles, my aunts, everyone. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we're all just day drinking at some point, as sloppy drunks do when you're warning someone, like, let's go around the table, man. Let's fucking tell a story. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> so we're all just going around the table. And what you realized immediately is that everyone's uh, version of your uncle and that relationship that you had is very similar to them, right? That mm -hmm. he wasn't one way to you and different to everyone else. He was someone who absolutely lived that way every day. And it was like... Yeah. It was, it was an amazing kind of feeling, man. You know, you're, you're hearing stories you'd never heard. Like, I heard a story that, that my writer brain started turning immediately because I'm just like, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. It's not going to sound pretty on, on paper, but it was a story about how the first time Tommy, who's my uncle, he married into the family. I have a story about him I would love to talk about. But he was talking about the first time he went to PR, and they went um, fishing, and they caught a barracuda. Now, barracudas are poisonous you're not supposed to eat those fucking fish right and yeah, they're my, just shit fish all around you can't <laughs> eat them. they bite you they're Done. mean yeah they're, they're mean, mean assholes. they look mean right uh and he I was guess, saying i guess they're living honestly too i'm sorry <laughs> no Go it's ahead. good no you know what i, I fuck it whatever rest in peace asshole barracudas though okay <laughs> dude no i i am sorry but no like i i think that that's uh very interesting uh what you're saying because like i'm i'm stepping like I, I'm sitting outside of this circle of grief here. Right. I didn't know this man at all. Right. Um, and it's easy for me to say that like, Hey, like come by your grief, honestly, feel it, you know, experience it. But when I think back to like the two funerals I've been to um, both of my grandmothers, um, I processed both of those in very like strange ways. Like grief isn't something that just, and it depends on who you are as a person, how you related to that person. Um, but it's something that doesn't hit you all at once. It's like this slow burn, I think. And I, I don't know. I, I think that's interesting because I probably did the same thing up to a point. I wasn't as sad as like my grandmother's children were. And then right. for the other grandma, like I straight up felt nothing because she was abusive. Um, right. to my mom and to her kids. So I don't know. Well, it's an, yeah. So you had, a, you had a mixed emotions about it. Um, yeah. And either way, I think I think what you're saying is is accurate. Where it's like, you, you, the grief comes in waves. It doesn't come all at once. And sometimes, like you're sitting there upset at yourself because yeah. you're like, why am I not feeling this thing that I know I should be feeling? You know what I mean? But then, uh, so let me finish this Barracuda story because that kind of killed me. That's like where the grief sort of came for some reason, mm -hmm. which was like 
they caught a barracuda. You're not allowed to eat barracudas. They're poisonous, right? And Tommy, who's like a gringo, he married into the family. He's a sweet guy. I love him so much. But, like, doesn't know, like, the ways of the island, right? And that's the thing. It's like, you know, like, we, we're this really proud people, and we have all these traditions, and sometimes we forget that because we've been Americanized and shit. You know what I mean? But he told this story about how he caught a barracuda. You're not allowed to eat the barracuda. Tommy's like, I may be just a gringo, but I know for a fact you ain't allowed to eat these motherfuckers. And he's like, no, 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 this is what you do, man. All right, my, my grandfather taught me this, um, which would make his grandfather alive before the Americans took over that island, by the way. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Which is like 18-something. Uh, and he, you cut off two pieces. They caught two barracudas. They cut off a piece of the barracuda, right? Uh, and they threw it on the ground. They cut off another piece from the second barracuda, throw it on the ground. And he's like, here's the thing. We're going to come back tomorrow. And if ants are eating that, that piece of meat, then we're fine. Like, we're totally fine. We can eat this. If the ants don't fuck with it, then, you, then you know, we, it's poisonous. So they come back the next day, and one of the, like, fillets, fillets, whatever you call them, like, swarmed in fucking ants. And mm-hmm. the other one wasn't. And I sat there just being like, like, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but, <clears throat> sorry. But I was, like, so blown away by the idea that, like, we had our ways. You know what I mean? Like, I'm reading this book right now called 1491, and it's about the year before Columbus came, about the Americas before that. And how, like, oh, we like to think, oh, Columbus brought the new world to here. But it's like, no. Do you know how, like, thriving these populations, these cities were, and, like, our technology and our ways and our sciences and the things that we had figured out in a quote-unquote primitive way? And there were these traditions that have been passed down since the Dainos were there, before the Spanish got there for 500 years. And it was still, like, this powerful thing that now was passed on after that. And I just fucking I, I bawled so fucking hard in the middle of a restaurant like it was bad it was but it was good it was a good kind of celebration you know what i mean it was yeah. this really wonderful feeling and um i don't know man all to say that um it was really wonderful to see everybody and i think everyone has this other importance that like you know i'm the exception i live up north but everyone else they live within an hour of each other mm-hmm. and we shouldn't only be getting together when one of us dies it's fucked up you know like we should tell everyone how much we love them while we're there uh yeah I, I mean, like, uh, you talking about, like, the family getting together and, like, telling stories and stuff, and it's, like, just occurring to me now, like, how many family members I don't talk to ever, um, that, like, their stories are going to die with them, you know? Right. And it's, like, uh, some of them don't have children, so they're not going to pass those things along, and I'm not talking to them, so I'm not keeping that tradition alive at all right. either. And it's like, I look back in some of my favorite memories, uh, family-wise, because I was never super close to my extended family. Uh, my dad had a huge falling out with his parents, and my mom had an abusive mother and a strange sister and brother. So, like, we didn't, we just kind of stayed together. Um, but, like, when we did get together, like, extended family, like, I loved sitting around the fucking table and listening to them talk about, like, when they were kids in the fifties and like, you know, or like their crazy grandpa who like beat the shit out of like the principal of their school right. or like just crazy shit like that. Or like how my mom saw her own grandfather die. Like just, uh, yeah. Did I ever tell oh, that fuck. story? No, I don't think so. I think you have to tell the tale now unless it's exploitative. Like, you know. No, it's not like, it's not even that crazy of a story. She was three years old. Um, she was very sick as a kid. And was bedridden. Um, and her grandpa was, this is the same one who beat the shit out of her mom's principal okay. um, when she was in elementary school. Uh, he, he was up on the roof fixing the roof and singing to her through her window. And like all of a sudden he fell off the roof and he, she saw his body fall off the roof but couldn't process it or verbalize it. Um, and he was like just lying on the ground dead for a while uh, before any other adults came home. 
and like her mother blamed her for it for not telling anybody what the fuck man yeah so wow. that that's why like uh, what i felt at that grandparents funeral my mom's mother it wasn't grief for the woman who died it was grief for the childhood my mom did not have seriously yeah. oh my god that's nightmarish i'm so sorry i mean obviously yeah. it's been 50 some odd years but still like right and like that's a whole other conversation about like mental illness um like how much can you really blame or hold someone accountable for being right. sick and not being treated in a time where they didn't understand that shit but the end result was still like my mom didn't have a childhood which is right. that sucks right yeah, I, it's it's so interesting that like family grief uh, and inherited trauma, right? Like that's the thing that we've you know I think we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast. Like absolutely, you inherit these traumatic things. Like somewhere inside of your DNA, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That is that that yeah, it's fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think it's uh, you know I don't know I don't want to get too like depressing. I know we're talking about death and shit, but like yeah, yeah. You know. Um, like to to bring it up a little bit, the grand grandmother on my dad's side was hilarious um unintentionally uh okay. I, I think i've told these stories but she was like a hypochondriac so different kind of mental illness way funnier right um, we would go over there she literally had a scrapbook of all of her doctor visits and one time she tried to show us all like pictures of her colonoscopy um she, all she had to talk about were do you remember uh barbara uh, your second cousin who you met when you were five, 13 no. years ago, I, no, uh, she, she got divorced. Can you believe that? And I'm like, yeah, I can, I guess. I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> grandma. And she's like, okay, you want to see pictures of my colonoscopy? Like that's all. Those were the two subjects were health and the family members. I don't remember. And then she died. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uplifting story. For sure. <laughs> How did that funeral go? Like, did you no, see that, that second that, cousin? <laughs> that would have been amazing. Uh, I heard you got divorced. Yes, I actually did. I actually did see that second cousin. Um, and the other grandmother's funeral was actually interesting. I'm making this about my family now. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. Um, yeah. But yeah, the other grandmother, uh, I actually like filmed the entire thing because it was all these like old Italians who hate each other in the same small house. And oh, yeah. like, my, my great aunt Marie, who I've talked about before, had this fat, fat, fat dog. dog. Yeah. Um, just like this smelly, disgusting animal that she kept feeding steak and chicken and ice cream and just bowls of food. Um, my uncle fucking Rick, who's like the black sheep of the family, just pissing everybody off all the old Italians getting together and just talking shit about each other. And I was filming all of it, just all the shit talking. And I don't know where that tape is. I'm so mad at myself because it was like good shit too. In my mind, you were rocking, like you were, you were in a full green suit, just like going around. Like I got to take myself out of this later. Well, it's great. Cause like, being, like it, the thing about that family I've noticed, and maybe it's an Italian thing is like, they'll just kind of keep talking and forget other people are there unless right. you're speaking up so i could just kind of film that shit you know and nobody noticed and they were just speaking freely it was great they're talking that's about amazing their, their you gotta love egotism thing. where they're like ah it doesn't matter <laughs> like i'm yeah, focused on hey, me he's a good kid let's talk about that time i uh fucked over your uncle tommy oh god Every, there's always I an uncle tommy <laughs> <laughs> where, are they, where are they from hold on hold on that slipped into uh, to that new was boston i'm sorry um <laughs> i fucked that up 
<laughs> but no, they're uh, yeah, they're great. They're they're great, great group. They're probably mostly dead now. I'm not really sure. But the point is, everyone <laughs> dies, <laughs> and some funny things happened before that. Well, yeah, and like that's what I was saying. Like, so it was this really somber thing, and then we all went out. We day drank, and we had a bunch of memories about them. But then, like separately, we all had great conversations. I have an uncle named Tommy. <laughs> oh my God, bless you. Sorry. You, you said Uncle Tommy. I mentioned my Uncle Tommy, and you had a Pavlovian fucking like reaction, but not in a good way. You know? You, <laughs> yeah. My Uncle um, Tommy used to carry around a, a roll of bills, um, a big roll of bills. And okay. on the outside was like a bunch of 20s. And, and then it was really ones. just 120. And yeah. then just a bunch of ones. That's how you do it, man. He affected so hard. Like yeah, rich as fuck. yeah, apparently he was like a real piece of shit, like a literal grifter that would drift from town to town just <laughs> conning people. Like he was like a, a character out of some fucking like novel. <laughs> the sting. Yeah, he's just grifting yeah. people. <laughs> he was like a five foot two, like round Italian man who's just flaunting his non-wealth all the time. That's Anyways, incredible. No, I mean, my Uncle Tommy doesn't sound as cool as your Uncle Tommy. That's not true. My <laughs> Uncle Tommy is fucking cool. Now, let me tell you how cool my Uncle Tommy is, which is uh, a conservative. So, mm. like, sirens uh, going off in my uh, mind about him already. Yeah. Uh, but, no, so what happened was we were talking. Um, and so, like, it's, like, 20 people at this fucking table. So, you're localized to the, like, fucking two people next to you and stuff. And you're talking to them. Yeah. And so... Uh, one of the people who were there, like, so my, my Uncle Joe, not my, um, not my Theo Jose. Theo Jose died. His son is Uncle Joe, who is my, my uncle. I love the guy more than anything. And his ex-wife was there because even though they're, they're not together, they're still very close. And, you know, like, she remembers my grandfather or my uncle. So they were there and she brought her new bow. Her new bow is from Angola. Now, I didn't know this, but Angola was colonized by the Portuguese at one point. Uh, and oh, so their national language is Portuguese. And they also have like a, a language of their own, obviously. But so it was very interesting. And he, at some point, they were t- we were talking about Cuba and my Titi Sandy <laughs> was like, oh, I'll never, I'll never go to Cuba. I'll never support a communist country. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. And I'm sitting next to her, like, trying to shut up. But then she's just going hard and hard and hard. And I'm like, um, can we can we not pretend like capitalism is way better? <laughs> like, can we just, like, have you seen, like, the si- Bezos doesn't pay taxes? <laughs> like, just, you know, going, going, like, I don't know, got really shitty about that. And then he heard that. And he's like, well, let me ask you this. I'm from Angola. Okay, I saw what socialism did. And I'm like, yo, I'm sorry that, like, you got fucked over by socialism. I'm not taking that away from you. I'm not. And to be clear, I'm not a socialist, okay? I'm not. But what I'm trying to say is, like, we need to get past this idea that America is beyond fucking reproach for its sins. You know what I mean? And, and I also love that argument that they, they always point to, like, the worst, most monstrous countries as evidence that socialism straight up does not work across the board. And like, well, I said, I'm like, what about the big boy countries? What about England? Yeah. What about Germany? France? <laughs> like, I'm going through the list and like, well, it doesn't work as well as here. And I'm like, their people live longer. Their citizens are happier. There isn't this fucking wealth gap. Like, what are you talking about? Right. So it became this thing, but eventually it was three against one. It was the Portuguese guy. I'm blanking on his name. I feel bad, but not really. Fuck him. Mm, uh, yeah. and, then, and then like my uncle Steve and my uncle Tommy. Now, both of them are white boys who married into the family. Okay. Right. I say that affectionately. I love them, but they're white boys who married into the family. gringos. Right. Well, and then, and then like my Titi Sandy, who is a brown woman, is like voting against the best interest of other brown people. So it made me really mad. But here's the thing about being a, a conservative. Most of the time when we experience these people, 
they i'm not saying they're fucking straight dumb but what i'm saying is they are not super super educated they're not super well versed they don't have historical perspective they don't know any of this other shit my uncle tommy has a phd my uncle tommy's great grandfather was a general in the civil war okay uh like his father was a green beret uh he he's read cicero you know what i'm saying like the yeah. guy is very 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 educated and right. when you talk to him what you realize immediately and this is why we have to be careful it's why we have to build bridges instead of like you know macheting the fucking ropes like indiana <laughs> jones and shit it's yeah. like this guy this guy is, is is the father of mixed children right like he you know so there, there's that he works for ESOL students. He's a dean of academics, but he specifically works with like uh, English as a second language students. Um, I know for a fact he doesn't give a shit about gay people getting married. I know for a fact he doesn't give a shit about, like, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he yeah. is socially very, very liberal. He's conservative in as much that like, he's like, look, I, I've, I've read everything I can read. I know everything about economics. And what I would say is like, name a better system than capitalism. To which I would respond to you, Max, like, He's not wrong. Like capitalism generally gets it right. However, that doesn't mean just because it's better than the worst example of communism or socialism that we can't strive to perfect it, to make I it think, better. I think that at that point, the only conclusion we can really reach is that if capitalism is the best system, then maybe we should call it quits on the whole experiment, just walk into the sun together, yeah. arm in arm, because yeah. that's the fucking best we can do is a system by which we define our worth by what we have and what we can buy. Right. We should probably fucking end it now. Like, that's a depressing thought, if that's true. Well, I mean, he just said in terms of, I, one, I completely agree with you. Like, let's just hold hands and walk into the, back to the source, as it were. Uh, yeah. But no, I mean, he was talking about it from a purely like, okay, how do you take care of your people? To which I just disagreed. I'm like, you can't pick and choose. You can't change the principle when it applies right. to you. Okay. So it's like, if socialism is such an evil and it never works, why are there working examples of that? And what I'm saying is like, no, we can keep capitalism and take the best parts. Of, like we yeah. can do both. Can do like some hybridization. Like you don't have to altogether give up like capitalism to implement social, social, right. socialist policies. Yeah. Right. And I'm just I'm like, definitely. it's not hard. Like I, th healthcare should be a right. He's like, I don't agree with that. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry you don't feel that way, but yeah, I think it's ridiculous that people are going bankrupt because they want to, you know what I'm saying? To like live, to, to live alive. the fact yeah. that people are taking cheap insulin because they can't afford it and they're dying. Like that like, is it, fucked up. It would up. be one thing if we were talking about like, Oh, we need to cover plastic surgery. Like, okay. Like that's yes. not necessary surgery. Fine. Right. I get you there. But like we're talking about like people with like chronic illnesses who can't afford to pay for treatment, right? You know, or no. are going bankrupt to get through cancer. It like, it, it it's sickening, and he, and he didn't seem to understand that. That really got me so upset. And I'm just like, dude, you're so smart. Like, and again, like, let me just tell you, this is a happy ending. Like, I know you're like, why are you guys getting into political conversations out of fucking like wake essentially? No, I'm I'm all about it. That's all about it. That. <laughs> Believe it or not, not the weirdest conversation. That's how we're going to bookend this episode. But like we get to this big thing and, and it's getting contentious and it's getting this, this and that. And like my uncle Joe, who works as a customs agent, right? And he's like, he comes in at some point because they're well, not Tommy. Tommy's great, but Steve talks shit about like Islam for a minute. And that sets my, that sets Theo Joe off because he's like, listen, I can't talk about, I can't give you a political angle. When you take that oath, you're not allowed to publicly say you're one thing or the other. But he's like, what I can tell you for a fact is the thing that keeps me up at night and the things that we're working on have nothing to do with Islam or any other country. It's domestic terrorism. It's these fuckers who look just like you and I who think that they're better and they want to take away other people's liberty. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was like, mic drop. He got the fuck out of there. I loved it. You know? Nice. Um, 
So, I mean, like, no one changed anyone's mind, but I think what happened was because I was able to hold my own. It was three against one at some point, and he's trying to talk to me about Hamilton, and I'm like, actually, I've read the Federalist Papers guy, and I know all about Hamiltonian fucking economics, if you want to get into it. And so we got into it, and we're, like, sparring with each other. Always respectful. The rest of the table's like, oh, my God, they're yelling. And I'm like, we're fine. We're fine. Like, I love him. He loves me. We're fine. Fuck off. Like, just yelling at everybody. But at the end of it, uh, at the end of it, like we're all saying goodbye, he pulls me aside and he's just like, I, I never lose your passion. Like, I love you so goddamn much. And I'm so proud of you for being able to like sit in the lion's den with me and Steve, he knows Steve's an asshole. So he's like that mm-hmm. asshole over there, uh, and to defend your own. And he's like, I'm so proud of you. And if you ever need anything, like I'm here and he gave me a big hug and it was great. It made me feel something about like, Hey, we can reach across the aisle. We can realize these are good principled people who just disagree with us. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Not all of them. Let me be very clear about that. Some of these people are beyond repair, but mm-hmm. it gave me hope that, like, this guy doesn't think any less of me because we disagree. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and like, that's why I fully reject, like, I don't have a punchline for any of this. Like, I just fully reject the idea. All right, I'll think of that, one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, like, I fully reject or partly reject the idea that anybody who voted for Trump is immediately an American traitor and a racist and, like, every bad name you can call somebody in the book like it's not black and white like people have values or principles and they vote their conscience sometimes or they're single issue voters or they've arrived at conclusions and they want to support the party or what they think trump might help that party achieve and whether or not you and i feel like the republican party is a fucking monstrous cancer that's destroying the planet which they are uh that's fine like I, i don't I don't like the idea of just pigeonholing an entire half of the country right. into one fucking bucket. And oh, to be fair, he didn't vote for Trump. Let me let me say that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He's like, I could not bring myself to vote for that fucking racist piece of shit. So what he, he like wrote in Colin but, Powell or something, he's like, that guy could fix the world. I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah, man. Like, it's cute. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's antiquated as fuck. Yeah, but like altogether, the point being like, uh, I've met smart people who have voted for Trump. You know, I've met well, re- people who have voted for Trump. And to speak to your point, like, yeah, we can talk to these people. The idea of shutting them out completely is right. one of the reasons Trump fucking ascended to power in the first place. But beyond that, what, it, what struck me was the idea that, listen, if you are educated and you are so well-read and, like, Tommy is so fucking smart. Like, I would love for us just to talk about some shit because he is, like, so charismatic and so, like, you know, yeah. giving in these conversations. When you're that educated, make your own decisions. I respect you. Like, that's the difference. It's like most of the time when we, when we think about where Republicans are and maybe it's our fucking bullshit, New York city, liberal bias or whatever, but we think of the Bubba's man. You know what I'm mm. saying? We, we, we think of like uneducated, no teeth, yeah. like fucking blah, 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 blah. And Taking it's like, our jobs and our guns. Not and true. Our it's not true. Yeah. And those people, they're fuck boys. But you know what? Mm. If you're that fucking well read and you're that educated and you just choose a different like ideology, that's fine. That's fine. And right. that's what kind of restored my faith in humanity was like, okay, like yeah. we're going to be okay, man. <laughs> like, so I really yeah. like that. Now, let me tell you this, not even the, uh, oh, by the, by the way, the end of that uh, story is just like me and Tommy are big history geeks. So we exchanged books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, Hey, read this book. And he gave me a book and I went out and bought it immediately. And it was just, I don't know. I love him. Anyway, Tommy, if you're listening, I love you so much. Thank you. Not the weirdest conversation that happened. I then the night before I left got into a knockdown drag out three hour conversation about religion with my mom and my brother, which was oh. no, but listen, like uh, this was a trip full of like, Oh, okay. Like maybe we can have these conversations and knowing back in the day, Max, if I told my mom, I didn't believe in God, she's like, Mijo, that's the devil speaking through you. And I'm like, no, I just, I read some books. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> You're making that like anger adorable, by the way. Oh yeah, it is adorable. I mean, and the way that like a little kid when he wants to punch you, he just gets like mad, and all you have to do is like hold the the, the head while he swings himself out. Yeah, like that's my mom when it comes to religion. No, but that's usual. This time it was actually great, and it, it started off good. It started off fine, I guess. I mean, and it ended fine. But the mm-hmm. crux of it was just like we got into this thing where I was like, listen. I don't want to be an asshole. I think it's great if you guys believe in this. What I'm trying to explain to you is that that shit doesn't work for me on a lot of levels. Like scientifically, there are laws that, you know, like they're laws. They're not <laughs> theories. They're laws. Okay. Because my brother's like, so the Big Bang happened. I'm like, that's what the evidence suggests. But guess what? Science is like, hey, this is what the evidence says for now. If something mm-hmm. comes along 20, 30 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, says we're wrong, like we'll change it. That's the cool thing about science. Religion don't do that shit. Religion's like, this is what it is. Right. It's don't. static. <laughs> Don't, yeah. don't fucking question this and so my mom was <laughs> i felt so bad though because it's the one time where i felt like i broke my mom a little bit where mm. i was like ma do you think the bible is literal or do you think it's metaphorical and she's like literal and i'm like so you believe in a talking snake mom and my mom literally i saw her shoulders like fall she's like oh. and i was like no i'm i didn't want to make <laughs> you feel bad like i'm just saying that like if you want to like did the- they fall in that she was like you're right or was it more she like, felt, I can't believe you're she, saying this? No, like, she knew, like, that a talking stick is bullshit. And she right. had to confront herself for a moment. <laughs> and I felt so bad. I'm just like, Mo, my, my mom, my point is this. Yeah. If you think it's metaphorical, that's fine. It's beautiful. Like, there are plenty of purity parts in the Bible. And Jesus was a cool guy. Like, you know? I, I don't mean to infantilize or make fun because your mom has been nothing but kind to me. Yeah, she but loves it's you. really yeah. adorable to me that it's never once occurred to her that a <laughs> talking, talking snake <laughs> might be like pushing it a little bit and we start there that's where the story kind of starts right that's like page two okay (laughs) (laughs) and then it gets real boring as people are but you know uh uh, uh, you got a guy living in a whale you got a flood well a burning bush right like there's a lot of shit going on uh but that was the one that like destroyed my mom now my brother he's like so you don't believe that people walked on water i'm like no george why and i'm like (laughs) because of physics george and he's like bro but if you made the matrix wouldn't you be able to make glitches in the matrix and i'm like your your best proof of god is a 20 year old keanu reeves movie like that's what you're coming at me with and he like didn't have a thing for it so my brother you don't know this studied at one point to become a pastor he moved to puerto rico he went to like ministry school i don't know if that's what it's called but he went to become a minister mm-hmm. and i think he thinks that because i don't like I'm, i don't believe in god that that means i've not read the bible as you know like i'm very fascinated by holy texts. i think that there's yeah. a lot to we, get from we it. had a two episode long um we're bringing it back next week <laughs> okay. we've, been, we've been bringing it back next week for 52 episodes now yeah. i think just like uh, i keep saying i'm going to talk about mad men Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Shit. Yeah, it's no, but it, it, it was it was this really great conversation where I think my brother felt dejected because he thought he was going to come in and talk to a guy who didn't know his Bible. And I'm like, bitch, I know my Bible. And I'm about to use this against you real hard because he's like, you have to believe all of it or you have to believe none of it. I'm like, oh, yeah. So you don't believe women should speak. You don't want to eat shrimp. You don't want to shave your beard. Like, what are you talking about here? The fuck are you talking about? And so the big, the big crux of this was me, and, and this is the most heated that I got, was my brother saying that, like, Jesus is the only way. And I'm like, okay, hold on. I want you to think about what you're saying here for one second, okay? Because the problem that I have with, with religion is this, is that y'all fuckers have found a way to uh it's like, look, Max, if I want to go to if I want to go to Bushwick, all right, like mm-hmm. you're gonna take the BQE. 
I'm going to, I'm going to go through the numbered streets or I'll take ocean park up, but we're going to end up in the same fucking place. Right. That's what I try to say about the Abrianic religions. It's like, yo, uh, and we were in Tampa. So I'm like, okay, you want to go to downtown Tampa? You're taking the crosstown. I'm taking Adamo and you're taking MLK. We all get into the same motherfucking place. Okay. So like getting really shitty about that. And then he's like, but the Bible says, and I'm like, yeah, but the Bible would like the Bible would say it because it's competing with other people. So I, um, I try to explain to him that like, if you want to be technical, you're saying that all the people born before Christ, they didn't have a chance. They're all burning in hell because Jesus is the only way, right? Like, mm-hmm. do, do you not understand that the thing that you're so mad about Islam is the same thing that you guys did to Jews? Like, Jews were like, hey, this is what it is. And you're like, actually, hmm, with your little fucking hipster glasses being like, this is the way. And then a couple hundred years later, Islam came around being like, actually, bigger hipster glasses and a hat on a hat. This is how you do it. And like that did not compute to him. And I'm like, yes, you understand that like you're a perversion of Judaism. Islam is a perversion of Christianity. Y'all believe in the same God. You're getting to the same place, but you have put it in your mind that Jews are evil because they don't believe in Christ. And Muslims are evil because they don't believe in Christ. He's like, well, I don't think that they're evil. I just think they're not getting to heaven. And I'm like that that's your God. A God of mercy and love would exclude people for believing and still living the tenets of the faith, but not, putting your guy up on a chair and lifting him up at a bar mitzvah. Like what the fuck are we talking about here? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. That, that, that God sounds like a, a terrible, terrible guy to hang with. I wouldn't want to know that guy. That's like your racist neighbor, Joe or something that you try to avoid, <laughs> you know, at all costs. And at I told my costs. mom that I'm just like, mom, listen, let's not pretend that like and th- they got really freaked out for a second. Cause I think they expected lightning to strike me. And at some point I got really indignant about it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, mom, let's not pretend that like God's always been a God of love. I mean, have you read the old Testament? And I was telling him, I have a whole monologue in my next issue of the comic. That's like some terrible shit, uh, floods, famine, like, parents ate their children in the old testament let's not pretend like like that he was a good god and they're like oh he knows not what he do and i'm like no i do strike me down god he won't because he doesn't exist mom and she did yeah, not he, like he that he kicked two homies out of uh, paradise for eating a damn apple well that was the one rule that to be fair remember that time where we were at the party with johnny and and bailey at bailey's house or whatever in high school and it was the nipple thing he kept threatening to cut his nipple off and the woman was like listen you can do anything you want just don't pretend to cut your nipple off. Mm-hmm. And Johnny could not help himself. He kept being like, I'm going to do it, bro. I'm going to do it. It's so like, I don't think I was there for that, but I heard about it. And uh, it's it the same about, tenet. Okay. I said, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> it's the same tenet, which is like, God's like, yo, I made you all of this. There's one thing you can't do. Don't eat that fruit no matter what. And they went and did it. So I understand like the original sin of it all or whatever. But still, it's just like I went, I went into the whole concept being like, I'm not saying that any of you are wrong. What I'm saying is that I believe in what I could see, which led to a hilarious moment where my mom thought because I like science, that made me a Scientologist. She was like, oh my God, Miho, you're not, a, you're not the Tom Cruise stuff, are you? And I'm like, why? <laughs> She's like, because they, you're into science. They're called Scientologists. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like losing my mind because I'm like, Ma, they are the furthest thing from science-based <laughs> like as an institution. Like honestly, Christianity- not working with the full deck of information here was she christianity seems somehow more scientific than scientology which says something about scientology and i guess christianity in a weird way 
Yeah. But um, dude, it was this crazy thing where so, I'm like, so what, what, what was the tone of this conversation? Were you guys like yelling over each other? Oh, or just no, very, like, it calm was and, like, really good. And at one yeah. point I felt like I was a cool college professor. Like I might've had patches on my elbows and shit. Cause I'm literally getting up to illustrate points and shit like that. Right. You know what I mean? I'm just like, yeah, man. And then this person comes along and I'm being like, I don't know, I'm being extra as fuck, but at no point did it get contentious. At no point was it shitty. Um, you know, I just said like, ultimately it comes down to this. Like, don't tell me that your God is a God of love when there's pedophilia in the world. Don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't, he's like, well, you got to give him a choice. I'm like, it doesn't seem like much of a choice. If Jesus is like, if you don't love me, you're going to hell. No choice right. there guy. <laughs> like, so we had to cut it short because I had to meet my friend David at, at, a, at a bar and it sucked, but we could have kept going for hours and hours and hours about the, the, the statement. I was really thrilled to have an open conversation to the point where like we're legit gonna read revelation together like my brother and my mom are gonna read this and i was like oh i'll read it with you but know that i am going to be fucking arms crossed like tapping my toe being shitty about it every step of the way you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and it was it was like surprisingly like wonderful and refreshing because i think that's the problem again politics and religion two conversations that i had on this florida trip that never devolved never got shitty never got contentious just really yeah you know, respectful and with love and trying to educate the other person, you know? I think sometimes funerals are like the best setting for that in a weird way because you're all together feeling some version of the same thing together and you're, you're bound together, you're drinking together. Like that's when you put your bullshit aside and you can like kind of be honest in a weird right. way. Like I see a lot of honesty in those situations and it's kind of refreshing. It was refreshing and it was definitely like, um, you know, encouraging. are down. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was really encouraging and it was nice. And also I think, I think my stepdad might be dying. I mean, he won't admit this to me, but like, you know how Jeff okay. is. Oh no, yeah. I don't. Let me tell you why I think he's dying. He's being nice to me. That's the only <laughs> thing. <laughs> Oh, fade.